This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Extraordinary team that has been assembled here to serve the American people. Steve Scalise represents so much in our home state of Louisiana. Uh, one of the things he, he truly represents is perseverance and hope. And as he was talking here just a moment ago, I was reminded of the scripture that says suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. What we need in this country is more hope. The, the, the people have lost their faith in our institutions. The, 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 their faith is at an all-time low. And, and one of the reasons they've lost it is because the Congress, over the years, has not delivered for the American people well enough. We're in the majority right now. We've gone through a little bit of suffering. We've gone through a little bit of character building. And you know what it's produced? More strength, more perseverance, and a lot of hope. And that's what we're about to deliver to the American people. We are going to speak, we're going to speak with clarity and conviction and consistency to the American people. We're going to tell them what we're for, what agenda we are pursuing, and why it is best for every American. Why it will give them more liberty, opportunity, and security. We're going to speak to that clearly. We're going to act consistently, and we're going to exhibit two things here, trust and teamwork. And this group will deliver for the American people. I said it in the chamber, and I will say it here. We're going to govern well. And I think the people are going to be very pleased with those results. We're so grateful. I'm so grateful and so humbled to have gotten a unanimous vote on the floor by all of my colleagues here. Um, we went through a lot to get here, uh, but, but we are ready to govern. And that will begin right away. You've all heard me talk a lot today, and I'm not going to belabor the point because the sun is bright and it's too warm for the fall. <laughs> but I'll say this. We're going to dispense with all the usual ceremonies and celebrations that traditionally follow a new speakership because we have no time for either one. The American people's business is too urgent in this moment. The hour is late. The crisis is great. In America, we hear you. And we are reporting again, as I said in there, to our duty stations. That will begin in just a few moments. This entire group is going to go back to the House floor, and we are going to pass our resolution in support of the nation of Israel, our closest ally in the Middle East. You're going to see an aggressive schedule in the days and weeks ahead. You're going to see Congress working as hard as it's ever worked, and we are going to deliver for the American people. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I want to thank you for being patient with us, and I promise you it'll be worth it. God bless you. God bless you.
Again, he'll be a great speaker. I think you're going to be very proud of him. Thank you, everybody. Act, right? If, if, the, if the Republican drive to end democracy is a play in four acts, this has to be one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so they elected uh, Jim Jordan, who you know, wears a jacket. It's the same thing. Um, you know, there's just nothing here that is about governing. There's not any sense that could unify these people. I mean, back when we worked for the party, I think you could say that it was somebody could stand up there and say, look, you may not like me, you may not agree with me, but we have important stuff to do. So what is their important stuff to do? You know, investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, I mean, when you think about it, the person who's third in line to the presidency doesn't believe the current president is legally elected, so doesn't believe we live in a democracy and believes that we live in an occupied country. That's kind of difficult to wrap your mind around. Technically, uh, Stuart Stevens, he's second in line. The illegitimate Biden uh, holds it right now illegitimately. Yep. And uh, Mike Johnson is one of the intellectual architects. Uh, they're going to be trying to rip his face off. Uh, in the next couple of days, you watch every question, every microphone. Do you believe Biden's legitimate? Do you believe Biden's legitimate? Here, they're, they're, you see how they're going to come. But uh, Mike Johnson is by far, I think, the most conservative speaker of the House that we've ever had, certainly in modern times. And probably, if you go back and look at the times and, and look at the context, I think, in the entire history of the Republic. Brian Kennedy's here. Brian, you've written an amazing piece, American Mind. I want to get to that on this whole situation of the invasion of our country. But I got to ask you, you, you've been with us. You came in at the studio, I think, a couple of weeks ago. This whole thing started. Walk us through what happened and how important is this to, uh, to saving our country? Well, Steve, first of all, let me, let me uh, congratulate you and the posse for actually making this a reality. Uh, it's a very good day for America and a very good day for MAGA and for President Trump and for everything that, that we Americans believe in in this country when it comes to human freedom. I think, I think Mike Johnson is a good man. I pray he will be a good speaker. You're right, he is conservative, but let's hope that he's also a constitutionalist and brings us back, and I suspect he is animated by this. Get us back to something approaching regular order and the deliberate duties that our Congress is supposed to have. I mean, I, I was a little, um, you know, he, he pushed on hope, we're for hope, and we do want to give the American people hope, but we really want us, what they really want us to do is fight. When I say us, anybody who cares about politics, we the American people want to see a Congress that fights for our Constitution, for our freedom. I mean, Israel is a very important ally but it's not quite as important right at this moment as our southern border. We want to help Israel if we can, but the best way we can help Israel is by helping defend the United States, and that'll be Mike Johnson's job. I think he'll probably be a very strong speaker, just given all the fights that they've had to go through here, but he wouldn't be there, and we wouldn't be at this moment were it not for, in my judgment, President Trump deciding to run again you communicating with the MAGA base the brilliant way you do on a daily basis, and everyone coalescing behind holding this Congress to account. It was because of that that McCarthy was forced out. And now with Johnson, let's hope that we have the fight that we need. Walk through for the audience um, 
the structure of how the country's really governed. And by this, I mean the last three and a half weeks, we have taken out a Speaker of the House, first time in history, plus the whole ecosystem around him that has been a construct has been constructed over more than 10 or 12 years since the beginning of the young guns. They, they've had this guy in place. They built a team around him. Jeff Miller's kind of one of the senior guys, uh, but they have, you know, operatives, lobbyists, consultants. They have uh, networked into these private equity firms. They're very tied to Silicon Valley. They, they, they put people into these think tanks, quite frankly, even some of the conservative media sites with very strong and deep relationships. Then you've had a, then you had a majority leader, then you had the whip, and although Scalise and Emmer kind of came to their senses last night and I think realized that McCarthy had been the guy putting the knife in and twisting it the entire time, but that became evident late last night when they called for a roll call vote and they, and they found out that McCarthy had 43 votes. He thought he could get to 160, he couldn't, and then when they, had to, then when they were exposed, all those votes went away. These guys realized that he had been playing them. How important is it that we took out, it was the opening salvo on really a populist revolt driven by people in conjunction with President Trump and, and, and his, uh, the way he communicates through, uh, through social media. How big was it to really take on the cartel, and at least in this round, have, quite frankly, something historic? We took out the entire ecosystem that's been 12 years in, 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 in building, and you can tell right now, in, in D.C., in the Imperial Capitol, Capitol Hill, they're freaking, the lobbyists are freaking out. The corporatists are freaking out. Silicon Valley, because they don't even know, they don't have the phone. Mike Johnson, although, was kind of in leadership, he was, but really a backbencher. This guy's a backbencher. He doesn't owe anybody anything, and quite frankly, nobody knows him. Brian Kennedy. Yeah, no, that's a great way of framing it, Steve. It'll, what we're going to find out here, whether Washington genuinely has a uniparty or not, or to put it differently, there is a uniparty. And I think Mike Johnson, we're going to find out, we're going to see if he can break that uniparty apart and let there be a Democratic Party and a Republican Party and see whether or not the Republican Party will defend the principles of the country again, will defend their own prerogatives as members of Congress and see whether or not we can actually break the hold the cartel has on this whole system. Now, the simple fact that, that you got rid of McCarthy and that you did it on the right grounds, which is he did not bring us back adequately to regular order. He did not have the individual spending bills and he did not and was promising and promoting the idea of continuing resolutions and perhaps even an omnibus bill. But if nothing else, a, a, another CR, the fact that that's where that's the ground on which McCarthy and the cartel was broken is extremely important. Now, if you can actually get us back to an operating budget system and the committee system and the way you bring up laws, you, you, the, the, the big change I think is gonna be this. When you have just a single speaker like McCarthy with that uniparty uh, cartel operating to pass continuing resolutions, the head of the individual committees, the individual congressmen are not very important. What's really important is the speaker all by himself. Now that you've broken that system up, you're gonna have somebody like Johnson. He talks about distributing the power. If you can actually distribute the power of the budget process to individual congressmen, 
budget chairs, subcommittee chairs, what have you, all of a sudden they become very important. And those lobbyists have to go not just to the speaker, they have to go to them as well, the, com the committee chairs and individual congressmen. When individual congressmen have that kind of power, they're gonna have to go in front of the public and defend all the spending we're currently engaged in. I think when you actually are required to do that, you're gonna have much less spending than we have today. You're able to hide all sorts of bad things, bad projects, I mean, runaway spending in the system of omnibus bills and continuing resolutions. McCarthy didn't fix that. It didn't look like Jordan was going to fix that. And that's an important thing. You, you know, when you talk about Jordan 2.0, Jordan 2.0 was for more continuing resolutions. That wasn't gonna do it. Johnson has a unique opportunity here to break up the uniparty. And we're gonna see if he has enough Republicans willing to follow him. If he does, we're gonna fix this. We're gonna fix much of this and a lot's already broken. But if, if we can fix the entire budget process and they have a you know a deadline coming up shortly here but if they can do that we can get this country back on track and it's about it's really about debating national priorities what are the things that matter the most to the american people let's fund those the things that are less important let's put those on the back burner but we have to do what's good now for the american people in as transparent way as possible and i think that's one of the the things that Johnson was promising. I, I want to go back um, because you're both a theoretician and, and a man of action. Um, connect that to what's happened in, in this concept of, of, of regular order and getting the committees. And so then people, you, you go through this process, which we saw in the first, uh, you know, when they were trying to get the appropriations bills done, where you're arguing amendments and people can watch it and see some of the horse trading going on. Connect that to these terms that have kind of lost their meaning because they're just throwing it limited government and fiscal responsibility. People talk about that all the time. In fact, they talk about it as a throwaway line and it's kind of become meaningless. How does what's happened over the last couple of weeks and particularly the ground we chose to have this fight over tie directly to limited government and to fiscal responsibility? Yeah, that, that's an important point, Steve. Look, when government gets this big and does this many things, it's no longer, let's be clear, limited in its nature, right? We, we, we don't have limited government today. We're gonna find out whether we can get back to limit, limited government. But one problem that Congress has just theoretically is when government gets this big and it's doing and spending this much money on so many different things, based on what criteria should you not fund this project or fund this other project? What, what's, what are the priorities that ought to govern us? We've lost that. Let, let me be clear, we've lost that. And the entire system that you've you, you described, which is being broken apart, it was meant to hide all of that. It was meant to hide good spending with bad spending, right? And un, un, until you can have an open public debate on where the money is going, you won't be able to justify any part of our government. Government doesn't make a lot of sense today. The American founders wouldn't have seen it making a lot of sense today because it's doing so many things that it shouldn't be doing at all. And doing it with you know, a, a central bank that's printing up money, monetizing the debt, creating inflation, and 
hiding where the actual spending of the money is going. It, it, this system could not be more broken. And the first thing to do is to come to some kind of rational understanding of where it has to go. That starts with transparency. We didn't have it, now we're going to get it. And that's where the lobbyists and, and the spending cartel, that's why they're so upset. They were making billions and billions and trillions of dollars on a system where they could hide the ball and hide where all that money was going. Now, if it's out in the open, you can have the beginning for a recovery of constitutional government. But again, it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be a fight every day so that people actually know where the money's going, how we ought to be spending it to defend first and foremost America, and then deciding where else the rest of the money's gonna go. We're in a crisis. And I think Johnson understands that. And I think the Republicans at their best understand it. But McCarthy didn't believe it really. He thought we can continue with the central bank uh, scheme that was going on and that wasn't going to work. You ran Claremont. I think the, what I would say is the railhead of kind of the, the, the biggest thinkers we have um, in the conservative movement. And you know everybody worth knowing, not simply on the political side, but really also the the intellectual side or the foundation side and, and, and the donors that sponsor that, people that are attracted to ideas. How are they, because MAGA, you know, and Mike Johnson came here in 16. MAGA, this is not your, you know, this is not the William F. Buckley uh, school of conservatism or, or kind of Republican rule. This is very much a street fight. And I think what's come over the last couple of days, particularly from the 6th that started in January to the hard eight, uh, as Tim Birch had said, I mean, this is not, um, it's not that we're, um, uh, we would give an inch to anybody intellectually, but this is the fight club. And we're prepared to fight this along, as Grant said, along this line, if it takes all summer, all year, whatever. How is this, the response to this of folks you know, in more of the conservative circles, is there, are they awakened to the fact that, hey, this is just how you're going to have to do it, and it's not going to be, it may not be pleasant. It's not going to be, it may not be, you know, at the clubs, you know, people are going to have a problem with it. Uh, it's a little uh, shaggy. It's also got some sharp elbows. It's very Trumpian. Uh, how is that setting among the more of the, uh, the, the conservative intellectuals and kind of that aspect of it, the people who are away from the day-to-day grubby nature of politics? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting way of thinking about it, Steve. I don't even think of myself as a conservative anymore. What what are we conserving? We have a government that no longer believes in the American principles upon which it was founded. It no longer really respects constitutions or constitutional government in any sense. What is it we're conserving today? And I think you see within the conservative movement a real divide where people, again, don't even want to acknowledge themselves as conservatives. They think of themselves as what President Trump called himself, he called himself a common sense conservative. That sounded right. Uh, some people called themselves, you know, old-fashioned liberals or traditional liberals in the fact, in the sense that we believe in liberty. Um, we, some of us call ourselves constitutionalists. But today, the conservative movement is part of the problem to the extent that they no longer understand 
the American people and what the American people were saying when they voted for Donald Trump. You have the National Review crowd. You have a bunch of folks in official Washington, what we would roughly call the neoconservatives associated with all of those kind of think tanks. They're mostly intellectually bankrupt. They don't know what they believe in today. And the great genius of American politics is, is it resides not in conservative intellectuals, in my judgment, but in the, in the hearts and minds of the American people. And together they brought you Donald Trump, who was simply talking about the very things that they cared about the most, which was a country that was willing to defend itself and put itself first. Now, if that's not the most sensible thing one could embrace, and the kind of thing we have to get our politics pointed back to, I don't know what is. So conservatism has failed. It is the God that failed modern politics. Donald Trump and the MAGA movement and the populist movement that you speak to every day, that's the beating heart of American politics. And to the extent that we can talk to them, explain to them what is going on in their country, I have a firm belief they will understand it. And they speak to the politicians every day the way our system is supposed to work. The, the congressmen are supposed to be responsive to the people, not the think tanks, right? The American people are talking to the congressmen, inspired by the war room. They're operating in Congress to fix the problems before us. That's a good system. That's the best possible um, result one could have hoped for, given everything that is going on in the country today. And so I wouldn't worry too much, I know you don't, about the, the conservative movement. We're rebuilding a new movement. It's a populist movement. But populist sounds like it's merely talking about the passions of the people. We're talking about building an American movement really here. This is all about America. How do we defend it? How do we bring it back to everything that was great about it? Which was, you know, by the way, let me just say that whole idea of make America great again. We have a Claremont scholar named John Marini. If you go on the Claremont's website, claremont.org, he has a bunch of wonderful writings to try to understand Donald Trump, the MAGA movement, and how we got into the mess we are and how we get out of it. And so I'm very encouraged today, let me just say, by Johnson and the fact that we were able to break all that up. Now comes the hard part, though, of actually bringing us back to constitutional yeah. government. That's not going to be easy, and it's really not going to be easy given the fact that there's so many targets of opportunity that, that we have and so many unconstitutional, clearly unconstitutional things that are going on, especially within the Biden administration. And I think we have to take a hard look at impeachment. When we keep talking about the impeachment of Mayorkas or Merrick Garland or Biden himself, I think all of those things need to have a hard look because if we continue to let them do everything they're doing to the country, we may not have a country left a year from now. So we need to take this much more seriously than we have been. Let, let me, I want to, and I'm going to hold you through the break because I want to get into this. If we can put your article up, do you believe, and for folks out there, look, Mike Johnson's a good man. He's a solid man. He's a fighter. He's a very smart constitutional lawyer. We are going to be in fights with Mike Johnson. There's no doubt about it. And other leadership. That's just because, you know, we, we're much more hardcore as far as fiscal um, hawks than a lot of folks are. 
right? And other things too, the border, you know, we call it an invasion and we're for mass deportation. So there's going to be a lot of things we're going to fight over. Do you think it was a mistake today for him, as much as Israel's an ally for him, and compared to your article, right, war, the immigration or the warfare immigration, do you think it was a mistake for him to start uh, his, his, uh, his term as speaker with the debate over the, uh, the resolution on Israel versus focusing on the southern border immediately? It would have been um, maybe number three on my list. It would have been, we need to close the border immediately. We need to get spending under control right now. And we, need, we will need to know what it will take to defend this country from enemies, foreign and domestic. And included in that would be, how do we support Israel for the benefit of the American people? Everything we talk about has to be, what is good for the American people? One of, one of my Claremont friends, Angelo Cotavilla, who passed away, he would talk, always talk about what is it about our peace that we can understand, our peace. We need to understand how do we defend the American homeland in such a way that we live happy lives. That has to be the beginning and the end of our politics. What is good for us? How do we ensure domestic tranquility here? And everything the Biden administration is doing today is quite the opposite. We're on track to have war in the streets of the United States. And that has to be stopped. Uh, Brian, if you can just hang on for a second, I appreciate you taking the time. You wrote an incredible piece for the American mind. And I want to get into that. So we're going to take a short commercial break. Brian Kennedy is going to join us on the other side. I couldn't have, I couldn't think of a better guest in which to uh, help to summarize what's happened over the last couple of weeks, really since January, but really culminated in this amazing historical uh, movement today. President Trump dropped uh, the true social on Emmer. Kind of, kind of snuffed that out yesterday after all of your phone calls, and then overnight, and it would have gone into the wee hours of the morning, but it was uh, McCarthy's group stopped it going to the floor. He went to the floor today uh, to take care of business and elect a new speaker. This is all historic. It's never happened before in the history of this republic. Now the question is, we don't have time to celebrate. We got to get on with it. And Brian Kennedy just laid it right out. You know, the, as important as the Israel resolution was. Optically should have come after dealing with the invasion on the southern border and even making some resolutions about what is going on with the fiscal irresponsibility that has driven uh, the crisis that took down McCarthy's speakership. Okay, short commercial break. An incredible piece by Brian Kennedy. We're going to get into all of it when we return here in the war room. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it, because it just might. More than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed military-grade air purification for your home. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off 
your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's a $250 savings. Visit ekpure.com and use code Steve. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. Let me repeat, ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Take action, use your agency, do it today, get the benefits of the sale. It can happen anywhere. Fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, mudslides. Regular cell phone service is fragile and can go down in an instant. Just ask the folks out in Maui. And when that happens, how will you contact your loved ones? That's why you absolutely need a satellite phone. Regular cell phones cover less than 8% of the Earth's surface. But with your sat phone, if you can see the sky, you can make a call. It's got 100% global coverage, ensuring you're always within reach. Your calls are secure and private. No one's eavesdropping. Even the U.S. military trusts these phones to communicate securely. Your text messages encrypted. Only the intended recipient can read them. Everything you do with this phone is 100% private and 100% secure. Right now, War Room's trusted partner, Satellite Phone Store, is giving you a free and Marsat satellite phone with a 12-month plan if you go to sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That's sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon right now. Be ready for anything, earthquake, wildfires, terrorism, anywhere on Earth with your new satellite phone today, as well as your free bonuses. Visit sat123.com slash Bannon and use code Steve50. At checkout for free activation or dial 855-980-5830 to snag your free Amarsat satellite phone today. That's sat123.com slash Bannon code Steve50 or call 855-980-5830. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. 
Okay, uh, stop giving your money to people that hate you or don't support your values. PublicSQ.com, that's the app. Go check it out right now. Download the app. If you have a product or service and want to get to one of the biggest, most exploding marketplaces in the world, that would be the Patriot Economy. You can go list it for totally free. I think there's 70,000 companies already do it. And if you're someone that wants to support, get products and services from people that support your values, you can sign up too. So you have both the offers of the products and services and the users, and it's totally free. Public Square. Public Square is the foundational element in building the Patriot economy. PublicSQ.com. Go check it out today as we build this brick by brick, this new alternative economy. Um, Brian Kennedy. Very powerful piece in American mind. Walk us through it. And I think the timing of this is uh, is pretty exquisite. So walk us through this, sir. Well, thanks, Steve. What I was trying to do with this piece is remind Americans again that we're, we're living in a time where there are actual communists in communist China who would like to destroy us and that there are communists within this country that would like to destroy us. I think a lot of a lot of folks think that American Democrats and liberals are just kind of, you know, they want to spend a lot of money or they have these, you know, kind of strange social views, but they don't really appreciate fully that the American left is filled with people who are communists, Leninists, Marxists, Maoists, people who no longer subscribe to what it means to be an American. And an ideological and political war is underway. And it's one that we have to win. Uh, let me say as an aside that when you were going after McCarthy for all the spending, that was an ideological war. He did not think fundamentally that government should be limited in its nature when push came to shove. And the shove came and he's no longer there. We're now going to find out whether intellectually, ideologically, philosophically, we can get back to this idea of constitutional government. But we do so against an administration, which I argue in this piece, is filled not with old-fashioned Democrats, but with people themselves who are very sympathetic to communist China or the Islamic Republic of Iran or the grievances that you see expressed in those rallies supporting Hamas and Hezbollah around the country. People within the Biden administration think like they do. They're on the side, I am arguing, of communist China fundamentally. They're on the side of Iran. They're not on the side of me. Kash Patel was on this morning talking about the penetration of the State Department and the National Security Council by perhaps Persian, a Persian spy ring. That may, may very well be the case. But let me just say, I think that would be mostly out of convenience because people in the State Department and the NSC already think that way. Right? They already are radical leftists. That's who you elected, or I, as you know, don't actually believe Biden won the election, but that's who the American people have in Joe Biden, someone who subscribes to the views of the radical left. And one of the things I posit in this piece is, why is it we've let in on the low end 5.1 million illegal aliens in this country? Why did we do that? What rationale could there be other than the fact that the Biden administration does not believe you, the American people, are good enough all by yourselves to be citizens of this country? What agenda were they serving by bringing in 5.1 at minimum million new people? 
many of whom I argue, and we've talked about this many times on the show, 100,000 military-age men from communist China who could be the backbone of a guerrilla army here, along with at least three to four million Muslims who live already in the country, who may well have been joined by another million Muslims from Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, and the like. We've imported a guerrilla army into this country. Why did we do that? Where is Congress holding them to account? This is not just that we have an illegal immigration problem. We have imported an army here that can be used by our enemies, and communist China is our enemy, used by them to destroy us. In 2020, we saw, didn't we, that communist China was willing to use biowarfare against President Trump and the MAGA movement to make sure not only that our economy would be destroyed, but that we wouldn't be able to go to rallies, we wouldn't be able to meet one another the way we do, we wouldn't be able to go to church, we wouldn't be able to do the kind of things a free people need to do, just as a free people need to vote when it's time to vote. Can you imagine in 2024, if this army that we're hypothesizing about that has come here to this country, can you imagine if they engage in the violent kind of violence we see in Israel, if they do that in the major cities of the United States? Once they blow up a, a shopping mall here in the United States, how many moms and dads are gonna let their kids go on the weekend to the shopping mall? Blow up a little league game. How many people are gonna do that? You wanna shut down this country again? Maybe they thought that it was impossible to do that with another medical scare the, the way they did with the China virus. Instead, in 2024, I'm suggesting that they may try to destroy us by using this guerrilla army of people who have come to this country, who have no loyalty and are very likely, we at least we have to consider it, enemy combatants operating in this country. You wanna shut down this country again? Go do that. That will mean that we can't have the kind of freedom we are meant to enjoy as Americans. We're not gonna have the kind of political system in 2024 under these circumstances that we need to as Americans. Let's make sure we can't have Trump rallies if there's enough terrorist attacks. Let's make sure that we can't go to church. Make sure we're gonna to have to vote by mail again if in fact there are these terrorist attacks. We have to treat 5.1 million people as an invading army. You say that, I'm suggesting we need to take that much more seriously. Our Congress needs to take that much more seriously. The first thing Mike Johnson should have said was we need to get to the bottom of this right now. Because if we wanna help anybody in the world, from Israel to our European allies, it starts with making sure we are defended here in this country. And unfortunately, well, let me just say optimistically, I hope we see that level of seriousness, not only from Johnson, but from everybody else. But we need that level of seriousness in our Congress. We also need for each individual American to be prepared to defend his or her home in the face of this foreign invasion. Because whether it was or not, we need to treat it like it was because you just don't let 5.1 million people over your border just for the hell of it. It had to have a purpose. And the mere fact that today we are not shutting down our border is, is a real travesty. 
remember after September 11th, we, we did a lot to shut down the border, September 11th, 2001. We got attacked, people said, better shut down the border. And we closed down, not complete, we didn't completely lock it down, but we went a substantial way to make sure people were not crossing our border because we thought we were at war. Israel's attacked, is attacked by many of the same people who still hate the United States and want to destroy us. You would have thought that the first act of the Biden administration would be to close our border immediately and to try to start figuring out who has come into this country and what we need to do to make sure they now leave. Because our first goal is the defense of the United States. President Trump talked about that. He thinks about it that way. President Biden does not. And I believe and I fear the consequences of his policies could mean our ruin if we don't get this straight. This is what, um, and so for the Warren Posse, um, this audience that's an activist audience has made so many historic changes. I mean, just incredibly historic changes and, and have the attention um, of the power brokers in this country because number one, they realize you made President Trump president in 16 and had his back. They also realized that you made him president again with a record turnout, 74 million, a record turnout for an incumbent president, or really for any president, of real votes, of real votes. Right. And now to not just, just win the House, but then to back it up with the fact that we're just not going to play by uh, the game that's been played to date, but you're really there to, to focus on saving your country, has people's attention. That being said, as I read this article, and the, war, the article is Warfare by Immigration. It is how history is going to look at it when you, because the way you lay it out is very methodical. It's almost like you sit there and the scale of this thing is just incomprehensible. When you talk about 100,000 fighting age males from, the, from mainland China, from, the, from uh, the CCP, that's 10 combat divisions. Think about that for a second. It's 10 combat divisions. That's two-thirds of what we hit the beach at Normandy. I mean, it was 150,000 in the month of September between the officially let-in invaders versus the gotaways, the ones that just came in themselves, I think it aggregated up to almost 400,000, right? That, that's, that's 40 combat divisions. And that includes kids and women and everything like that. But if you take the fighting age men, and if you look in Midtown Manhattan at the Roosevelt Hotel or the Rowe Hotel, we had Ben Burkamp going to both, it's packed with fighting age males. And if you look at the, the footage coming across the border, these guys look like they've been in combat units. They had that kind of camaraderie. This is not a bunch of starving, uh, victimized folks are coming across. These are healthy with all the latest kind of, you know, tennis shoes and, 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 uh, and other apparel that young, vibrant, robust, healthy uh, men use or wear. When you look at the scale of this and you couple that with the financial crisis we've got because of this radical overspending and the $10 trillion we added since the bioweapon hit us with the CCP, the next, I don't know, 10 years to, 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 to do the, not just to seal the border now and to stop it, which is going to be a monumental fight because they're going to fight you every step of the way, but then the mass deportations. No country on earth has ever deported the kind of, at the scale that we need to do to get this thing just even begin to be sorted. Monica Crowley said the other day, Brian, she thinks it's 40 to 50 million. I think Ann Coulter would agree with her. I'm just dealing with, you know, I had some people, the engine room and other people I'm close to socially 
They go, why don't you hit Monica's number 4050? I go, yo, let's just start with the five to, the five point seven million they right. admit that they're paying for. Right. Or do the eight. That is Herculean. That's never been done in human history on top of a massive, massive debt crisis. It, it shows you that fighting for this country and for the constitutional republic you talk about is going to be all in. I mean, I, I, thank God we have this audience that's prepared to put their shoulder to the wheel. But you were talking about something that that even leaves out the geopolitical crisis we're in because of American uh, leadership ineptitude. But this uh, paints a stark picture. Your article is warfare by immigration. And when you're finished the article, you realize, wow, it's not just warfare, but it's warfare that Americans that have been well-educated, given every benefit of this country that that they could possibly have, are at war with the country itself, sir. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. We We have an elite class in this country that has turned against the country. I mean, can you imagine the conversations that must have gone on in the Biden administration to figure out, you know, okay, let's, you know, that that Donald Trump guy, he was, you know, he believed in building a wall, closed immigration, you know, we're we're going to stop that. We're going to go the exact opposite. We're going to tear down parts of the wall and we are going to encourage as many people as possible to come here. Now, someone might have said, "Well, why would we do that? Do we need I mean, can we afford that?" Well, no. Will they make the country uh, more secure? No. Will it make the country more American? No. So why did they do it? Because they wanted to make the country less American. The people who are running our country today wanted to be less American. And so the elites have turned against what it means, first and foremost, to live as a free human being. They've turned that down and now they've opened the borders and they mean to make chaos in American cities. I believe they were, they were, to a very large extent, encouraged by all the Wall Street and free trade types who just could not bear having, you know, Donald Trump as president. And this was one of the things that they needed to do to, to again, ch- help change the country. But it's a kind of national suicide, which I, I really want the, the audience to understand. We're engaged today in a national suicide if we cannot close these borders. Geostrategically, you know, when you look at communist China or any part of the Islamic world, you know, I don't believe Hamas and Hezbollah would have attacked Israel without the backing of Iran. And that looks now clear. And Iran would not have let that happen without the backing of communist China. What does it do for Iran's strategic calculations? or China's strategic calculations if there's an American civil war. If you really want to destroy Israel, the best way to do that would be to make sure that there are 5 million people in this country. And I I agree actually with the the 40 to 50 million number. I, I think I use a lower number in the article, but just given the numbers that have been coming over the years, it has to be closer to 40 to 50 million, but currently at minimum five, just to be just to be clear, those new people here present the kind of army that can create a civil war in American cities, on American streets, in American communities. I, I saw I saw a protest in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in support of the Palestinians and Hamas and Hezbollah. 
Baton Rouge, Louisiana, how could there be, if there's that many people protesting in Baton Rouge, can you imagine how many there are in the major cities around this country? If you're communist China or Iran, if there is a civil war here in this country by this immigrant army, again, it won't be every single immigrant, but it will be enough of them if that is their purpose that will try to tear this country apart. If that is their goal to tie us down here in this country, China will have its way in, in the Pacific, Iran will have its way in the Middle East, Russia will have its way in Ukraine. This is the communist world against the free world is one of the things I suggest. There are still communists. They operate in China, they operate throughout our government in so many ways. Now, they don't label themselves communists, but they think like communists, they act like communists. They don't love or respect this country. And it's time for us to get much more serious than we have been about this. We, we again, just treat Democrats as if they're people who like to spend money. They're much different than that. The kind of war we're going on, going through in this country politically is, is something much more serious than we've ever gone through. I would argue it's as, at least as serious as the Civil War. There's not shooting, you know, and, and a division of the country the way you had during the Civil War. But the conditions are created today to have a different kind of civil war. If in fact these immigrant armies that I'm suggesting commit the kind of terrorism they're capable of creating around the country. And it's, it's delusional to believe that communist China wouldn't inspire that or that the country of Iran wouldn't help abet that as well. Tearing America apart is the thing that they both share in common. There is a free world and there is a communist world and the communist world would like to destroy us. Until we understand that we're in a war and that's not just a throwaway line, we're in a war and think of it that way and treat things that way. Until we do that, we're gonna be, I think, behind in whatever we need to do to defend this country. Brian, a powerful article. We'll make sure everybody gets it. Where to get to you on social media, where they go uh, to your site to get all your writings. Uh, the best site is our presentdangerchina.org, uh, where we have, we have some great uh, articles, webinars about everything we're talking about here. On social media, I'm Brian T. Kennedy on Getter and on Truth Social. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for all you do. Brian, thank you. Thank you. Powerful piece. Um, Warfare by Immigration by Brian Kennedy. We'll get it out. Brian, thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Okay, I'll be up on Getter tonight. Uh, we'll be up at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. The show's going to be on fire for the next couple of days. I've got a, uh, Grace is going to be on the Tim cast tomorrow. And uh, I will be giving a speech in North Carolina. We'll get more details about that. Uh, we'll see you uh, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Hank Williams, the great Hillbilly Shakespeare. I'm bound for the promised land. Birch Gold, go there right now. Birchgold.com slash Bannon. Find out why gold is a hedge against turbulent times. You just heard from Brian Kennedy. They hadn't gotten any more turbulent in the history of this nation. And maybe the world. Check it out. We'll see you back here at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow morning in the world.
Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% and do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. 